0: Happy Friday everybody, it's The Informations 411, your weekly look from the reporting team at all the things that happened over the past couple of days in media and tech and and, um, the, and the other ones. My name is Tom Doton, I'm a reporter here at The Information. Great episode for you guys today, it's a, uh, I'd call it a two and a half parter. First off is a fairly quick conversation I have with a special guest who's going to be at an event that we have in LA uh, next Tuesday that I'm going to be plugging shortly. And then I have the full conversations with Nick Wingfield, who co-authored a story about Apple and augmented reality, and a very interesting meeting that they had uh, last month that gives a sense of where they are in their AR dreams. And then I'm talking to Jessica Tunkle, my media counterpart out in New York, about the week in streaming and media and the big moment that happened on Tuesday when Disney finally launched Disney+, Plus. kind of where Disney goes from here, some of the technical issues that cast a slight shadow on what otherwise was a pretty sterling day for the company and uh you know what this says about the state of disney all right so next tuesday in los angeles the information is hosting a special event with airtable on the future of digital storytelling with executives from silicon valley and hollywood we're convening 50 executives involved in film television digital and technology to talk about what is working in the business and also changes from shifts in the business model to how companies handle creating and customizing content for so many different platforms One of our esteemed speakers is Nick Bell, who ran partnerships and content at Snap as a VP for a number of years and is now switching over to the investing slash building side uh, as the co-founder of Attention Capital. We thought we'd have him on today to do some rapid fire questions about what is ahead in media and uh, what's going on in the coming year plus. All right, Nick, how's it going?
1: I'm well, Tom. How are you? Excellent. Thank
0: you. Uh, That does not count as one of your rapid fire questions. Just uh, wanted to check in. All right. You ready? I'm ready to go. All right. What would you say is the most overhyped trend in media right now?
1: I think one of the most overhyped trends in media right now is SVOD. It's the thing that's taking up my newsfeed every time I I look at it. It's the thing that everyone's discussing. It's the thing that everyone's asking and talking about when you go to dinner parties. So, yeah, I would have to say the most overhyped thing right now is SVOD.
0: All right. SVOD overhyped. What is the most underhyped trend in media right now?
1: So uh, the most overhyped thing is SVOD. The most underhyped thing, I think, is AVOD. I think, you know, if you look at the amount of great content that is available, um, you know, as both library content and content that has been produced on a daily basis, I think, you know, AVOD provides a huge opportunity. And I think, um, you know, consumers are going to make the shift away from, you know, their cable bundle, which was once, I think, almost regarded as a utility towards, free content which is available uh you know on mass and is, is also available to serve and super serve niches so you know if i'm interested in fly fishing i can go online now and i can find uh, a huge wealth of free content um that i don't have to pay for that is available on demand and super serves whatever i'm specifically interested in
0: all right avod under hype next have we reached peak subscription
1: so I don't think we've reached peak, peak subscription yet, um, although I do think we're, we're getting close. I think, you know, right now I look at what I'm subscribed to and uh, and most of those things are, are actually just competing for one thing, and that is my attention. They're competing for my time. And, you know, that is the most scarce resource that we have. So I think, you know, what we're going to start doing over the next few years is is really trying to figure out where we spend our time I think products and services are going to become available, which help us manage our subscriptions. And I think we're going to be far more um, wary about signing up for new products. And I think we're going to be far more selective about what we continue to pay for. So, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I I think it's getting close.
0: All right. As long as you keep subscription to the information. Um, All right. Quibi, bullish or bearish?
1: You know I'm I'm a fence sitter on this one. Um, I think I think when Jeffrey conceived this business, um, it was uh, it was a very different landscape. You know, I'm really bullish on the fact that mobile is a new art form. You know, we spent several years at Snapchat really trying to work out what content on mobile should look like. I think we led the way, and I think Snap is still leading the way uh, in, in that arena. You know that that shows that shows format is is exceptional and you know the content continues to get better and better um sean mills and the team across at Snap snapper doing a, a great job of really building out a compelling slate there so i do believe that mobile is a new art form and i do believe that you know the creative process behind mobile is different having said that you know i think if you look at the position Quibi are coming from it's pretty challenging very few subscription products have launched in the market um, in, in certainly in the audiovisual kind of marketplace, without a, a real library of content. You know, if you think about Spotify or any of the music products, there is a huge, huge library of content that they could tap into. If you think about Netflix or you think about, you know, any of the other subscription uh, services in in, in, the, uh, in the video world, then again, they were able to lean on pre-existing libraries you know if jeffrey is to and quibi to stay true to their word then they are going to create this mobile content from the ground up which means that they have to create hits from day 1 and i think you know the the production time the lead time on creating content is is not overnight when it comes to great quality content like the the content quibi are talking about producing and therefore they launch on day 1 they get a bunch of data back and then they have to start making programming decisions and decisions about, you know, what they green light going forwards and, and what works and what doesn't very, very quickly. Unfortunately, there is a lead time to create that content. So, you know, if they get it right out of the gate, then it's going to be a huge success. If it's not quite right and consumers don't respond to it, then it's going to take them a little while to uh, to get there to get their sort of act into gear. So. You know, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really sort of bullish on the team Jeffrey's build across there. I know a lot of the folk across there. There are a number of ex Snap people. There are a number of people I respect, you know, highly. But I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk yet. Right, right. Tough to get hits right out of the gate.
0: All right, last one. Apple and Amazon. Are they still making TV shows three years from now?
1: You know, I think if my balance sheet looked like Apple or Amazon, I would continue to produce content. I think content becomes a differentiator. Um, I think the reason uh, it makes sense for an Amazon or an Apple or a Roku is because they are so far up the stack. They are they are the hardware and the, you know, the interface that consumers are dealing with. So I think it makes a ton of sense. It gives them a point of differentiation. And, you know, why not? They they can afford to do it. I think it's a, it's a small cost. And if it if it helps shed their brand in a positive light and helps, you know, win or retain a few a few extra customers, it, it, it's very worthwhile.
0: All right, there you go. Thanks, Nick. Uh and so the information and Airtable are really looking forward to this event next week. And if you're interested in learning more about Airtable, visit airtablecom information today to get $200 in free credits and to learn why creative teams at BuzzFeed Studios, A&E Networks, Time Magazine, and Group Nine Media use Airtable to collaborate and manage their creative. All right, Nick, thanks for joining. Thanks, Tom. All right, Nick. So you, Wayne and Alex reported a, a pretty big story that we published on Monday that looked at Apple's augmented reality project, a kind of unusual meeting that happened uh, recently and a new timeline that lays out kind of what they're thinking about its, its release date. So why don't we start off with the meeting, though? What, what was this meeting all about and what was discussed in it?
2: It was a meeting of uh, different groups within Apple that are working on augmented reality. Um, The augmented reality group at Apple is headed up by a guy named Mike Rockwell, who's a vice president at the company, a former Dolby executive. And uh, he assembled uh, his group and other teams to talk about their product roadmap. It was in the Steve Jobs Theater at Apple, which is a thousand seat uh, capacity, theater, and apparently was full, we are told. Um, and this is a so, place
0: where they announced new iPhones and things like that. I mean, this is a, a large venue, uh, not usually reserved for company meetings, right?
2: Uh, no, they do company meetings there for sure, uh, but um, not necessarily with this kind of... Um, Level of content. I mean, we don't know all the meetings that they do, but it's on the it's on the Apple campus Um, What was unusual about this was that they actually laid out their product roadmap for this very secretive? uh, Set of hardware products that they're working on in augmented reality
0: Yeah, and um, in this meeting they basically said that they would expect or that their current plan was to Release the uh, Apple kind of the first iteration of the augmented reality device in 2022 Which is later than we had initially thought, right?
2: That's right. Yes, there were um, there were estimates that um, They could come out with an augmented reality device as early as next year, which frankly never seemed very realistic Uh, I should say that these are two, you know quite different products the initial headset that uh, we're saying they told people would come out in 2022 is kind of an augmented reality virtual reality hybrid. Uh, it, it would be kind of a form factor similar to the Oculus Quest, something that you could use VR with and also an augmented reality. Uh, and then the later product that we're saying they told people uh, will come out in 2023 are lightweight glasses uh, that are really focused entirely on AR.
0: Yeah. So um, before we get to the specifics about, uh, you know, these these devices and what we think they could mean, uh, this meeting itself is is a bit kind of unusual. Right. I mean, you don't frequently have meetings discussing secretive products happening in large spaces. I mean, is there uh, what do you think was the thinking behind that?
2: Well, you know, it's mostly speculation on my part. But um, sure. there was uh, there were media and analyst reports out there, as I said before, uh, suggesting that next year is when um, their first AR products would come out. We know that that was not the case. That uh, that these products are scheduled for a couple and three years uh, out from from next year. So my speculation is that Apple, you know. Uh, told such an unusually large group of people about this, partly to allay uh, or, or rather answer questions that people internally might have had about this uh, about this project. Um, you know, they're, they're a fairly siloed company. They don't usually lay out timelines uh, to such a large group uh, at the company, uh, primarily for secrecy reasons. They don't want it sure. to leak. So the natural conclusion, I think, to come from them telling such a large group of people is, they didn't really you know they wouldn't really have minded that it it got it got out because you know there was this sort of belief in the marketplace uh that they were going to come out sooner now the other thing is um everybody's expect is wondering what apple's going to do in the ar category and there are lots of other companies that are working on ar uh related projects i mean snap uh magic leap a smaller company and facebook is probably the biggest one so Apple coming out and and kind of uh, you know telling uh, not minding that this would this would leak out through such a large meeting could have the effect of basically making people wait for their product. Right, Um,
0: right. It's like a statement without making a statement. It would be strange for them to go out there and publicly discuss a timeline of an unreleased product, especially if it were to be delayed again or be delayed at all. Um, and, And so this kind of serves their purpose, potentially. I know we're speculating here, but it could serve their purpose without kind of being forthright about it.
2: Possibly, yes.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, so let's get to the devices, too. So, you know, there have been augmented reality-like things out there. Magic Leap has its developer's kid, and, you know, that's a whole other, you know, can of worms, uh, what's going on with them. And then Snap has, has been working on some stuff. And, you know, there have been kind of startups here and there that have taken stabs at augmented reality. No one's really cracked it. Of course, Microsoft and the HoloLens, that's uh, another item. So, I mean, what is the hope that Apple can achieve with both this 2022... 2022- Uh, Device and then the kind of later more ambitious one
2: Well in the case of the twenty twenty two device It's it's a little puzzling because I think it's fair to say uh, Virtual reality products have not managed to break out beyond a niche market the oculus quest the latest uh, VR headset from oculus is doing okay, but I think with fairly limited expectations uh, at Facebook for what it could achieve in terms of sales. So it's a little less clear to me with that product uh, what the end goal is. Uh, The idea of of combining ar features with virtual reality and to be clear by that we mean there'll be cameras on the front of this headset that will allow you to basically see through into the physical environment around you Mm -hmm. and then you know kind of insert digital imagery over that you know, if it is anything like a HoloLens or a uh, or an Oculus Quest, it's not something that you will probably wear out in public. Um, it's really hard to imagine that that would be the case because it's kind of a bulkier product. Yes. The glasses, though, are much more interesting. Um, the idea uh, behind, you know, a wearable like that is that this is something that could be useful to you throughout the day uh and you know it's still to be answered exactly how it could be useful but people have talked about giving you 3d uh mapping instructions so instead of having to look down at your phone when you're biking or walking or whatever uh the apple glasses of the future would just sort of insert you know arrows where you need to turn uh it might give you you know, some kind of, uh, facial or uh, object, uh, recognition, uh, built into the glasses, um, which would be connected to the phone and the cloud. So, that's the kind of stuff that it could do and the bigger picture here is that phone sales uh, as most people know are slowing um, it's a uh, it's it's apple's biggest market the iphone uh, its biggest business and they're interested in inventing whatever comes next and so is facebook incidentally and i'm sure some of the other tech companies um, so they really need to invest in this category and, and long-term uh, maybe ten years, maybe longer. It's possible that glasses or something like it could replace the phone.
0: Right, right. And and other companies are attempting the same thing too. And you know, I, I've spent some time reporting on augmented reality as it relates to Snap. And, and you guys have some details in there about kind of where Snap is in in their progress. Um, do you think it's really realistic though? In the time you spent reporting this story out, that you know we are on the precipice of true augmented reality breakthrough, or is Apple you know just kind of trying to plant Some Sort of flag early on in hopes that maybe a decade from now uh, This can be something I I, you know, I will say on the record. I'm very skeptical that we're at least uh, You know ten years away from it, but uh, I'd be interested to hear what you're what what you've gathered
2: well, I think uh, I think it's fair to say that skepticism is is merited here Uh, not just because existing VR and AR products have not sold well, but there's just so much that right. needs to happen in terms of technology and content before... And optics, I mean, uh, it's,
0: it's a whole different world.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the engineering challenges are, are huge. You have to have a battery that lasts, you know, if not all day, close to it. You need to, you can't have computers on these devices that are heating up and, you know, making you uncomfortable. And then, you know, you have this issue of, like, do people really want face computers? I mean, today, right. Google Glass was kind of its own thing. It was a really crude version of augmented reality. Some people would say not AR at all. But, you know, it kind of gave you limited functions. And then you had to put this thing on your face. And it it really, I think, as a fashion or design statement, it really uh, failed. So. Apple, which obviously has very high standards for um, design, yeah, um, is you know it's just very interesting to me that they are investing so heavily in what it seems like a very risky category that could be many many years away. So I don't I don't really know. I mean, like AR so far has been pitched mainly at the corporate market. Uh, that's what Microsoft's doing with Hololens. It costs I think thirty five hundred dollars. You can use it for engineering and CAD and um, uh, medical applications and so on but Apple will not do that they do not create products that are purely for vertical markets like um, uh, you know like the enterprise market so whatever they're going to do is going to be held to you know far higher standards in terms of consumer ease of use and um, and comfort and so on. So, uh, and I, I just don't see how those problems get fixed by 2022. But what we're told is that this idea that it could one day replace the phone is much further out. Like it, that, it could take a decade. So, right. possible, possibly in that time frame, um, you know, these these issues could get worked out.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly that's what they're hoping. Um, all right, Nick, excellent story. Thanks so much for joining. You bet. All right, Jessica, big week in the streaming world, in the media world, uh, the streaming wars are officially on uh, Disney releases Disney plus some pretty compelling numbers behind that you and I wrote a story about Hulu a lot a lot going on there. But let's just start off with with Disney plus. What were your initial reactions to Tuesdays the, the first shots fired of the, of the streaming wars.
3: So, you know, as you know, Tuesday was a little bumpy. A lot of people had, you know, when I got up in the morning, there were already social media was a flare about all the, you know, error messages people were getting,
0: um,
3: having problems logging on. I personally, it, had, it took me a little bit of time to render, but I didn't have a hard time getting on.
0: Yeah, me um, too, by the way. Uh, it, was, it was hard to find on the Apples the, the App Store, which wasn't great. But uh, once I got it downloaded, it worked fine for me.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, look, I actually, I mean, I'm probably, you know, I actually am not surprised there were a few bumps. I, You know, I think there are usually a few bumps with this. Yes, you could make the argument that, like, they should have had everything figured out. You know, they've had months to do this. But, you know, it was a huge launch. It was a, it, it was like an unprecedented number of people logging on all at the same time.
0: So I And think- a ton of devices, right? I mean, they, they released this thing on as many possible uh, streaming devices as they could. So right exactly yeah
3: so you know i'm i wasn't really surprised or put off by the fact that they had some tech issues i mean i it seems like things have evened out although i've heard about some customer service issues which i actually think is a bigger problem if right they don't have that nailed down right uh i mean everyone who's watched it has Come back to me with rave reviews, and right. everyone loves Mandalorian*. And you know, I think that like people will forget about this in a few months, honestly.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, the real product here is the content. That's what I mean. Obviously, Disney did not want this to go wrong in any way, and and they spent heavily in you know buying Bam Tech to make sure they had top class streaming technology. And and you know, they tested this thing in the Netherlands. But but by and large, right? I mean, like the killer feature of this thing is is the fact that they have. The entire Disney library or close to it and and all these Avengers, sorry, and all these Marvel movies and things like that And and I imagine that's the thing that's going to keep people subscribing and you know you as someone with some kids I imagine that is something that will keep you a subscriber if you were to remain one
3: Yeah, I mean absolutely and you know what I do find interesting is like to your point like it was hard to find on the Apple store Like I haven't gotten my offer from Verizon yet about signing up for it for free like Mm. I think that like there will be there's still room for them to push some of this marketing. I mean, I think when it's you know easier to find in the Apple menu, in the iTunes menu, and the fact when Verizon actually starts promoting it, um, you're going to even see more of that. I, I personally think some of that was intentional because they saw that there was going to be so much demand on the first day.
0: Right, right. And, and of the criticism that I've heard, and I should also in this part plug the story that you, Kevin McLaughlin, and I published earlier, which said that... Inside Disney, one of the culprits that they were pointing to was AWS, uh, which wasn't able to kind of scale up its servers fast enough to, uh, to to deal with the demand. I'm sure, by the way, there are a multitude of things going in there. So it's really more of a working theory than, you know, an absolute blame. But uh, but yes, I mean, like this was something that Disney wanted to be as big as possible. They, they marketed so heavily. They struck this Verizon deal. And in the end, they got 10 million subs. I mean, that is... That's real numbers. That's something that they absolutely can take pride in as having been successful in the end. Right?
3: Yeah. I think that even if every one of those users is getting it for free, which I don't think is the case, that's a huge number. Um, I mean, the, you know, there, it, no one's had that number on that first day. I mean, that puts them right in fourth place
0: automatically immediately one day. Yeah.
3: So yeah, I don't think you can discount that number and be like, Oh, well we don't know what's in that number. I mean. To be, yeah, we don't know what that number will look like six months from now,
0: mm-hmm. but
3: sure,
0: I, or or a year know. from now, if a lot of it is Verizon, which gave it a year for free, which which I think kind of brings up the next part of the Disney uh, streaming challenge, which is okay, you've clearly put it put out something that a broad audience really likes. You're going to release it around the world in the coming months, but how do you keep these people on board? How do you stop them from churning? And that to me is going to be one of the biggest challenges for them: is how do they you know, stop loss when, um, you know, it's such a competitive landscape and so many more apps are going to be coming online in the next couple of months and years.
3: Right, and that's going to really come down to, obviously, the content and what they keep putting out and putting on there and how they grow it. And, It'll be interesting to see because it sure seems, from our standpoint, that that's where the focus is going to be: creating content for their streaming platforms, as opposed to creating new shows for their cable channels.
0: Right, right. A whole other interesting topic. Um, but the other thing I think that's going to be huge in in promoting Disney uh, Disney Plus is is this bundle that they have, uh, where they are going to be offering for a pretty pretty competitive price, like twelve ninety nine, a subscription to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu. And uh, and Hulu is this kind of important uh, leg of the chair. Um, and, and we looked at that in a story that we ran this week. I mean, you know, now Disney's attention is sort of focusing on Hulu. Um, I mean, w- what does Disney sort of need to do to make sure that Hulu, you know, remains as important as the other two legs of the stool?
3: I mean, I think they have to continue to keep Hulu being, I personally think like, you know, Hulu has established itself as a great brand in the United States, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done a really good job of, I mean, these are exact people who, they know how to deal with subscriber acquisition, they know how to deal with marketing. Like Hulu is a very established company. I think the risk for Hulu is if Disney just kind of makes it part of the bundle and doesn't allow it to be its own separate company at the same time, if that makes sense. yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of expertise there. And... Disney has the issue right now where they're paying, they have two separate tech platforms, two engineering teams. Actually, I think they have three if you're including ESPN Plus. Um, and they have, like, these different marketing teams and ad sales teams. So there has to be, they have to kind of decide what they're going to do there. Are they, how are they going to consolidate these things with also making Hulu part of this bundle
0: yeah and there's also kind of interesting things for them to work out internally w- with regard to hulu like how do they manage all the various creative executives that they have involved with it you know fx we hear is now going to be a huge part of, of hulu and uh, and john langer the head of fx is going to have a major role in it hulu has its own originals people dana walden at disney is overseeing all of it so it's a lot of stuff to manage but in the end i mean and tell me if you agree with me here like hulu is a really important property that they have here i mean it already has almost 30 million subscribers like this is going to be a whole other task and adventure for them to try to to try to make right
3: yeah no absolutely i mean the content side will be interesting to see how that evolves because you're right there are a lot of cooks in this kitchen so i don't know how that will you know end up i feel like it's not going to end up the way we see it right now um, I do, I do, wonder what Landgraf's role will be longer term, if it will be something bigger, um, as would Dana Walden's, I wonder. Um, but the other thing to remember is like, Hulu's also going to international as we reported, you know, like they are, I mean, that's been reported, but Hulu going to be going into Latin America. There's, they're going to need to figure out the content strategy for all these other countries too, which we know isn't easy to do. Netflix had a lot of challenges doing that.
0: Yeah, totally. And and that's probably delaying a lot of the international plans uh, to begin with. There's so many rights to be to be kind of dealt with before you can launch a fully fledged and competitive product in all these different countries. Anyway, Jessica, it's uh, it's a lot of interesting stuff going on. It's always fun to report on it and, and talk about it with you. So I'm sure many more times in this podcast, we will be uh, giving dispatches from the field of the streaming wars.
1: Sounds good. All
0: right. Thanks for joining.